Let's see. It's uh, not clicking on. Thanks, Cheryl. Oh, for some reason, let me try it again. Ah, now it is. A couple of years ago, 2020, I think it was, we started a series, uh, uh, Beyond 2020 Vision, Seeing What Jesus Sees. And uh, we looked at how, through John's Gospel in particular, he connected with individuals in his three years of ministry and uh, and how they responded to him and how, re- how he responded to them. So we're up to John chapter 14. Thank you to Lincoln for preaching a couple of weeks ago on John chapter 15, uh, the, the vine and the branches. And uh, I want to step back a little bit and finish off John chapter 14 a little bit, uh, where we were up to there. And one of the things that Jesus did was he spoke to people directly and individually. Sure, he preached to 5,000 and 3,000 on occasions, but but the major people that he spoke to were his intimate group of followers, the, the 12 disciples or so, and those that were were associated with them. But the words that he spoke are promises for us today as well. And we're going to look at why that is in this passage. So I'm going to look at, looking at the encouragement that he brings to disciples. Like in the, the context of this passage, he was uh, having the Last Supper with them. He was meeting with them uh, privately in preparation for going to Jerusalem, ultimately the cross, which we've remembered today in the Lord's Supper. But he knew that they were going to be facing some things over the coming days that they wouldn't understand. They were going to be facing some emotions that they would struggle with, some fears, some anxieties. And he was trying to prepare them for that time by giving them some absolutely concrete promises that they could cling to in those confusing, anxious, fearful times. Gee, it sounds a lot like our day, doesn't it? I think there's a lot of people in our day that are fearful, anxious and confused. And they, and most people don't know why they are that way. I think Jesus has the answer to them as well, if they would just listen to what he has to say. So as we look at this passage today, John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21, and associated passages, I want us to hear what Jesus is saying to us individually, what God's word is saying to us individually. He's making these promises to his disciples. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made that decision, to make him Lord and Saviour of your life, to allow him to forgive you a sin that, that Keith reminded us of today, then you are his disciples. These promises are for you too, right now. They're never-ending promises. They're the living word of God. Let's have a look at John chapter 14. And um, I want you to help me today. I want you to help me to read. So I'll read the first screen, then you can read the second screen, okay? John chapter 14, verse 15 to 21. And this is what John records for us. He records the words of Jesus. Now, you really need to remember what he was talking about before that. He was making promises that that they would go and spread the truth throughout the world, that they would be his voice. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You can read this one. The world cannot accept him. Great promises, aren't they? Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father 
and you are in me and I am in you. Verse 21. Who wants to remember some of those promises? I reckon they're worth remembering, aren't they? So why not start today and see if you can remember those few verses by next week. How's that for a challenge? The reason why I'm encouraging people to remember the scriptures is sometimes we don't have our Bible with us or we don't have our phone with the Bible app on it. And there's a time when God's Spirit needs to bring those verses to our mind to, to comfort us, to, to, to take away those fears and those anxieties and that confusion And if we have them already in our mind, then he can bring them out at the right time. So I encourage you. There's some great promises in that passage for you to remember. What's Jesus talking about today? He's talking to his disciples and he wants, he's talking exclusively to his disciples, not just those 12 there, like I said, even though it was for them there and then, but he's talking to anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, who has made that decision to accept forgiveness of sin, to accept that salvation that's on offer, to accept Jesus' revelation as the Son of God. That's who a disciple is. I trust that you and I are his disciples today and that we will hear his words to us because he's speaking to us personally. Jesus is saying in verse 15, I'll just go back to that one. Oh, no. Verse 15, that there is this uncompromising connection between loving him and obeying him. Loving him and obeying him. He says, if you love me, then you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will do what I tell you to do. Love for Jesus is more than just a mental recognition that he is who he says he is. It's more than a a sentimental emotion which says, because he died for me, I love him. It's this willingness to obey. It's this this devotion to do what God asks us to do. That's what salvation is about. That's what loving Jesus is about. Remember, he was talking to his disciples. We always have to keep that in mind, the picture in mind. And they had been journeying with him for three years. And they had been doing what he'd asked them to do, even when they didn't understand. He sent them off two by two to, to preach the gospel, to see people healed. Did they understand what was going to happen? They'd only seen him doing it. But now he was asking them to do it. And so now he's preparing them for the coming anguish, for the coming uh, sadness that they would feel when they saw their Saviour hanging on the cross. And he's saying, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. If you love me, you'll do my commands, you'll obey me. But he doesn't leave them hanging there. And he doesn't leave us hanging there either. Because the next few verses are this wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit. Verses 16 and 17. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. That's a great promise, isn't it? That's a great reassurance of who we are as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus. Jesus will ask the Father, he said, for another counsellor, this translation says, but other translations use the word comforter. 
other translations use the word helper. Other translations use the guide. And they're much the same. Much the same. But uh, helper is probably the one that I would choose, even though the NLV says counsellor, because it gives more of a picture of what this word means. And I wonder what you see the Holy Spirit's role in your life is. I wonder what you see the Holy Spirit's role in your life is. Do you see him as that comforter? Do you see him as God providing counsel, wise decision-making help? Do you see him as the one who helps you through daily life? Well, the the meaning of that word is uh, paracletos, or the Greek word is parakletos, and it means a helper or one who comes alongside of. That's who Jesus was asking the Father for. He was asking for one who comes alongside of. Did you notice the word another counsellor? Because for those last three years, Jesus had been in that role, hadn't he? He'd been in that role with his the disciples. He'd been there with them. He'd been walked alongside them. He'd given them teaching. He'd advised them. He'd, he'd, he'd cared for them. And he was preparing them for when he wasn't going to be there. By praying or saying to them that God would give them another helper, another counsellor. That one... That word uh, counselor or helper has a legal connotation about it too. In, in, the time, in, the Greek, in the times of Jesus, it was one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a counsel for defence, a legal assistant, an advocate, an intercessor. Well, all those things are true for the Holy Spirit too, aren't they? He's doing them for us right now. He's praying on our behalf before the throne of God. He's our advocate before the judge of the whole world. So Jesus was in that role with his disciples uh, up until he went to the cross and then from then on, God poured out his Holy Spirit on all those who believed in Jesus. So Jesus, so that God would still be able to be their comforter, their guide, their counsellor, their helper. And Jesus said, he defined him the Spirit a little bit more, he said he's the Spirit of truth. And we know that Jesus claimed that for himself. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So now he's saying that the, 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 another counsellor or another helper would be the spirit of truth that would be sent from the Father to believers. The spirit of truth would bring that clear testimony about all that Jesus had done and all that Jesus had said. And he would remind followers of Jesus about what Jesus had taught. There's an interesting thing in that passage. Let me see if I can find it. I'll go back. This is fun. He says there in verse 17, the world cannot accept him because neither because it neither sees him nor knows him. And what he means by the world is anybody who's not a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, anybody who's not spiritually awakened to who Jesus is. And the world can't see the spirit of truth because they're not spiritually aware to be able to see the spirit of truth. The spirit of the world, we know that the spirit of the world is one of selfishness and doing things for myself. Yes, there's those wonderful people that do things for others as well, but often it's for personal uh, 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 status or ego. And yet God wants believers to stand firm in their faith because of what the spirit of truth is saying to them. 
They can see the spirit of truth. They've seen Jesus in this, con- in, in this context in John. They saw Jesus. In our context, we are born again by the spirit of God so we can see Jesus, as it were, spiritually. We can know the reality of his presence with us. We can know that he is the paraclete, that he is walking alongside us. More than that, the Bible says he is within us. So we are spiritually born again. Jesus goes on to say, and I'll skip ahead to where I was, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Believe it or not, the Greek word for orphans is orphanos. So that's pretty easy, isn't it? But it's got an interesting meaning. In the King James Version, it translates, he will not leave us comfortless. He will not leave us, in James chapter 2, verse 7, the King James says, fatherless. The same word. Same words used here, orphanos. To be an orphan, we know what to be an orphan is, is to be without parents or to be fatherless. And in the case of Jesus' disciples, when he died... This, it would have, it would, for them would have been their spiritual father's death. They would have felt fatherless. They would have felt comfortless at that time. They would have felt like spiritual orphans. And yet we know that the promises Jesus left with them was that they would never be like that because he was going to send this helper, this comforter, the indwelling Holy Spirit. What a promise. Do we know that promise? What does it mean for us to have that promised Holy Spirit with us? When we repent of our sin, believe in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, seek to love and obey him, God pours out his spirit into our lives. He empowers us to do the things that he's asking us to do. He does not leave us as orphans. He does not leave us comfortless. He goes on in this passage to say, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. He is making sure that they are encouraged. He sees their need. Even though they might not see it yet, he sees their need. He sees their need for encouragement. He's making sure that they'll be encouraged by telling them these things. His followers will see Jesus. Not only... See him physically, and they did after the resurrection, didn't they? They saw, many of his followers in that day saw him alive and walking around. They understood what he was saying. And I wonder if the light bulb moment happened for them after the resurrection. All these things that Jesus had spoken of beforehand, I wonder if they started to gel. Jesus, you said that. Yes, he said that. You remember, he told us that. We have the beauty of hindsight to look backwards and trust that the promises that he gave the disciples then were true, did come true, and they're for us today. But he says there, in that last part of verse 19, because I live, you also will live. There's an incredible promise for eternity there. Jesus rose from the dead. We know ultimately he went to be with the Father, be by the Father's side, and he's preparing a place for us, the early part of John chapter 14 says. So we will live, not just in this world, but we will live eternally. That's the promise that he's given to us. When we believe into the Lord, or we believe in Jesus, these promises become real. And, And some of the other writers in the New Testament reflect these truths. Paul does in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Just like he rose from the dead, we too will rise from the dead. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like shouting out hallelujah, praise the Lord because of that. Because it's a hope that is secure for us. In Colossians, Paul wrote this in chapter 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, that's Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He did it, he did it for us. He did it so that we can experience it too. And in John, early in John's gospel, we read this. In him, that's in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. What happened for him, what he showed us, is proof that his promises will come true. John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26, Jesus said this to uh, the woman at the well. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Oh, I thought I'd get one or two. But it's true, isn't it? This promise is for us. Do you believe this? And I I believe this is the question that humanity needs to answer today. Because there are many in our world that don't believe this. They don't believe that that freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, the the, uh, promise of peace, they don't believe these things are achievable. They haven't heard about Jesus yet. They haven't considered Jesus. He's making these promises to his disciples and to us. In fact, he makes these promises to anyone who believes in his name. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God makes promises. He keeps his promises. Do you know what an amen means? I agree. Let it be so. So we can agree with God's promises. And he goes on to say, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Isn't that another one of those verses we should be learning off by heart? God has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come that eternal life that is ours, both now and into the future. What was he trying to encourage them in this this time? He was preparing them. He was encouraging them that God's promises can be trusted. He was encouraging them that he was going to send another comforter, counsellor, guide, helper. And he wanted to confirm in their minds that they could trust in the Godhead. Trust in God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And that's what he did in the next couple of verses. He wanted them to know the completeness and the unity of the Godhead. One God, three persons. And this is what he says in verse 20 and 21. On that day, on that day when those things happen, you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Now, he's not talking in riddles here. He's trying to get this across to people, that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, 
and I too will love him and show myself to him. I believe it would have been a major turning point after the resurrection for the disciples to have more understanding of all these teachings that Jesus gave. That if they obeyed him, if they loved him, they would obey him. We've got to get to that place where our love, our total self-giving for the other person's benefit is what we do for Jesus and obeying the commands that he's given us. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. He said, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. The issue was, Jesus promised that he would be with them. God had promised that he would raise him from the dead. He had said, Jesus said, I'll be raised from the dead. They didn't understand it. And that's the issue that they had to deal with. Because it would have been easy to say, Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Then all the promises would have been negated. Any promise that Jesus would have been made would have been negated if he didn't rise from the dead. His resurrection solidified, if you like. It made complete all the things that he declared about himself. But more than that, it made complete our salvation by him rising from the dead. Romans chapter 4 reminds us of a few things and we'll finish soon. Romans chapter 4 verse 20 to 25 says this. Yet he did not waver. That's Abraham talking about Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Abraham being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham had no doubts about God keeping his promises. Paul was saying we need to trust God's promises too. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. That was a description of Abraham. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Remember one of the things that Jesus shouted on the cross? He shouted the word tetelestai. Do you remember what it means? Anybody remember what tetelestai means? It is finished. It is complete. It is paid in full. That's exactly what Jesus achieved when he died on the cross and when he rose again. His death was not in vain. He is risen just as he said he would. We can trust God's promises. The promise of the Holy Spirit. We can trust in God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. His spirit spirit empowers us according to verse 21 there. John chapter 14 verse 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. It's not keeping Jesus' commandments that initiates the love of God for us, but rather it is Jesus' initiation of the relationship with us that shows the love of God to us. We show our love to God by obeying his commands. I wonder what encouragement you would have received if you were one of the disciples that day. Would you have understood all this talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? I don't know, but I'm sure that for all of us, the light bulb would have got on. 
when Jesus rose from the dead. God's kept that promise. What, what are we to look for in the promised Holy Spirit? As I said, we look backwards. We look in hindsight. We know what it's like to have the Spirit of God in us. What does that mean for you and I? How do we live led by the Spirit of God? I believe that there's that Jesus will teach us, uh, that the Spirit will teach us nothing different to what Jesus has already taught us. So if we're in the Word of God, if we're reading it, studying it, remembering it, then the Holy Spirit who's within us will bring those things to our minds and our memories. And He'll help us to understand God's purpose for every day that we face. Great encouragement to disciples, great encouragement for us today. The promise of God's Holy Spirit in us, where we connect with the living God as our comforter, our guide, our helper, our counsellor. What a great plan God has. He has that for us and it's available to us every day as we seek to walk with God, listen to God, be obedient to what God's word says. We can know the power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me pray that way for us all this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that when Jesus was with his disciples, those trusted followers, that he prepared them well for what was to come. Thank you that as we look back, we can see that those promises were kept in full. And exactly what he said would happen did. And the same is for us today, Father. We know that, that we, when we surrender our lives and uh, allow Jesus to be Lord and Saviour of our lives, your promised Holy Spirit comes into our lives and makes us different from the way we used to live before that. Father, we thank you that we can understand your ways. We thank you that we can understand Jesus' directions. And we thank you that you empower us to live them out through your Spirit. Father, we want to be available to serve you in the days ahead. So we ask that we'll be clear-minded, that we'll have a, a clear connection with you so we, will, we are not mistaken in what you're telling us to do. We thank you for this, in Jesus' name. Amen.